0: Hi, I'm Todd Baker, Corporate Vice President of Engineering at Teacher Electronics. You know, one of the things that I think has probably been the priority of probably every embedded design since circuitry has been around, uh, has been maximizing battery life, maximizing the efficiency of voltage regulation in the circuits, um, and then also minimizing the amount of size required to get that high efficiency voltage regulation. Uh, And I think today in the applications that we're seeing come out more and more as I talk with design engineers out there, um, the need for that only becomes greater, even though batteries have become better, even though uh, technology has certainly improved, you know, the actual power consumption of uh, our processors and our microcontrollers and our radios are better. We still always want to maximize the battery life that we can get. I I know, you know, when I was doing a design some years ago uh, for a tire pressure monitoring system uh, for a large shipping company. And we had a very small sensor. It had to go inside of the wheel of a tire of an 18-wheeler, a tremendous amount of G-force in there, uh, an absolute Faraday cage trying to get a 2.4 gigahertz. It. And then on top of that, the customer's requirement for for the design was that they have five years of battery life because you certainly don't want to be able to, to have to change those sensors out on a regular basis. It was an enormous challenge, one, to get the voltage regulation to a point of high efficiency, um, and also keep it in a very small footprint so that my sensor didn't have to be too large. We see a lot of our suppliers coming out with designs that would have helped me a ton on that design, and I think it can help a lot of engineers' designs today. And today I have the privilege to talk with On Semiconductor as a lot of great solutions in this area uh, for voltage regulation um, at with great efficiency in a very small size. So, I'm talking with Bob Card, Advanced Solutions Group Marketing Manager of OnSemi, and also Tim Kasky, Senior Director of Business Development uh, of OnSemi. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing some of OnSemi solutions. Uh, could I really quickly ask you, Bob, to introduce yourself a little bit and tell me about your experience?
1: Uh, sure. Thanks, Todd, for uh, having me here. Um, yeah, I've worked. Uh, I've been an engineer most of my life, uh, so the, I go back about I don't know eight or twelve years. I've been doing a lot of work with lithium-ion battery, um, optimized battery charging, uh, kind of the wall-to-battery thing with smartphones. So I've I've got a lot of experience with uh, USB chargers, lithium-ion, um, that that whole thing. I can go back further, but that's right. uh, relative to what we're going to be talking about today. That's that's a lot of my experience. Excellent, excellent. And Tim,
2: thanks, Todd. Uh, so, Jackie. I've been doing power management now for about twenty years, and it's ranged from DC to DC to uh, you know high power DC to DC for Intel processors, point of load, and other applications to AC to DC. Uh, so, power supplies anywhere from a couple of watts up to several kilowatts. And the last four years or so, really focused on portable power. So, anything from IoT industrial and wireless type applications, but focused on linear solutions in the power management area.
0: Excellent. Well, again, thank you guys so much for joining me today and sharing some of your expertise. I really do appreciate it. So, you know, what are you guys seeing today as you're talking with design engineers who are designing new embedded systems need to maximize their power efficiency? Where's the market at? Where are the largest challenges for those design engineers and how's OnSemi working to help those engineers solve those problems.
1: Well, I can start. Um, one of the things that I'm seeing is that a um, lack of understanding of how to uh, how to calculate the battery life, um, how to really know how batteries work. I'm quite surprised when I talk to customers how few customers have actually cracked the data sheet of the battery they're they're using, or they have really any idea of how to use it. So that's uh, that's one of the biggest challenges is really understanding batteries. And how to apply your load, your job, whatever it is you're trying to do with your your thing, your IoT thing. Um, like for your case, uh, for the tire pressure, you probably had you know some sort of wireless device and a sensor. Correct. Yep. So you need to figure out how often you're going to be transmitting data, how mm-hmm. much power the sensor uses, what's your advertising interval, whether you what kind of. You know, topology to what kind of technology you can use for transmitting. You can use BLE or or something different, and you know, you really you need a you need a battery calculator for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: Too I would second. Thoughts? Yeah, I would second that as well. I think it's uh, you know people starting to think about uh, the changes in technology that have happened with the different solutions from a power management perspective. And how that's changed over the 15 years since you you maybe done that one as well and in many ways uh, when people take a look at that battery it's about how do you maximize the power that you have in it and how are you using it and on some of the devices that you have today the speeds that they're operating in if you have to transmit every 100 milliseconds uh, that's a long time in electronics today Uh, and so there's different architectures now where you see Uh, You can turn off devices for longer periods of sleep time to maximize the uh, power draw from the battery during that time. And then only turn on when you have to do that transmission. Uh, And so when you're doing those sort of things, it changes the selections that you have from a power management solutions on what's important to you. So it's no longer about, uh, you know, peak efficiency during that time. It's about how are you maximizing your efficiency during that off time because uh, in many of those applications, that's the majority of the time that you're sitting and doing pretty much nothing during that time. Right.
0: Yeah. How do you make sure that you got efficiency and in, in sleep mode uh, and right. you get the lowest power sleep mode possible? Absolutely. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. So, for example, uh, our our Bluetooth device, the RSL10, if we put that in sleep mode, we have different uh, different sleep modes. We can wake up from uh, a stimuli being stimulated by a, a output like one of our digital iOS gets pulled up or down. Or we can wake ourselves up with a timer. And yeah. if we're woken up from uh, the external world, our sleep power is 25 nanoamps. when the when the when the coin cell, this would be using a coin cell is at three volts. Right. So we can really practically I mean, it's it's hard to measure 25 nanoamps. Yeah. Um. And then if we if we wake up with an internal timer where we've got part of our BLE stack is in memory, um, we can go as low as 160 nanoamps. Um, yeah, so that's it, it, Tim hit the hit. The, it's exactly right. It's it's really understanding your duty cycling between waking and sleeping. And to put things in perspective, uh, our, the RSL 10 can wake up and uh, do a three advertisement non-connectable uh, event in seven milliseconds. So at 100, so that's perfect. So if if you're going at 100 millisecond uh, interval, that's a 93% duty cycle of being asleep versus being awake.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what we've really seen is that RSL 10 Bluetooth radio from On Semi uh, really in a lot of ways you know, leading the industry and, and, and making an enormous splash in the industry just as far as the amount of power consumption required uh, for a Bluetooth design and how very low that it is. It's been very impressive. And while we're talking a lot about efficiency in a voltage regulation design, and that's certainly always critical, um, you know, What about looking at things from the load standpoint? Uh, are there any things that, that engineers and design engineers should be considering or maybe taking a look at differently when considering how to minimize the load on something like an RSL 10 um, to ensure that the least amount of current possible is being required by their application circuitry?
1: Well, um, so the RSL 10 was designed we have a hearing aid group inside of On Semiconductor and that really was the initial application. So from the grounds up, even, you know, in conception all the way through the final product and when they taped out the design, it was all about running off a coin cell or really a button cell. Right. So um, they dialed right in. So your typical coin cells like a CR2032, which is uh it's just kind of your typical coin cell. Can be about the most, the biggest capacity I've seen is right around 240 milliamp hours. So they dialed in the VCC. They, 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 the bat, the, uh, the RSL10 accepts a voltage from 1.1 volts up to 3.3 volts. And so a coin cell is typically 3 volts, and as yep. it discharges, it discharges down to about 1.8. So, um, it's a really nice fit for a coin cell. Now, if you have an edge node, you know, IOT thing that has actuation, you're never gonna be able to pull that off of the coin cell. So you're gonna have to go a lithium ion battery. So when you go into lithium ion battery, which is a secondary cell, you can recharge it. Now your voltage ranges have changed. Now you're talking about a max voltage of 4.35. And when it's getting empty, roughly give or take 3, 3.2, 3.4 volts. That's when you need an LDO to drop that voltage down to the RSL 10. Right, and that's right. where Tim has one of the best LDOs I've seen on the market for that, which is the NCP171. Cuz it's it's fantastic because it can when it's load drops down to in the order of a milliamp or two, which is exactly the scenario for deep sleep, okay? Exactly what Tim was talking about. You're right. duty cycling things, you want to put things to sleep. If you have an LDO like the uh, NCP171, It draws, I think, 50 nanoamps of current to deliver that one milliamp of load. And that's phenomenal. Right, right.
2: Yeah, and I think the conversations we've been having with customers around that is, uh, you know, many a times uh, an engineer is not familiar with the power management uh, solutions that are out there. And so they think about, oh, I need the highest efficiency solution because this thing is battery powered, I need 10 year battery life. And they immediately think they need a switching regulator. Uh, And it's funny because I have a conversation with them and I say, okay, so what you need is a buck regulator. And they, yeah, yeah, buck regulator, switching regulator. And I'm like, no, they're not the same. A buck regulator is just one voltage to another voltage and an LDO is a buck regulator, even though people don't think of them that way, right? Right, And I feel like at times I'm really flipping some of these engineers on their head when I tell them that, hey, based upon your application usage, a linear regulator is actually more efficient for you versus a switching DC to DC. Uh, And they really gotta be like, okay, show me up on this whiteboard what you're talking about, right? And then you really gotta walk them through these numbers uh, and you show them the, hey, you're only active during this period of time. And so your efficiency is this, uh, but you have this really long sleep mode and that's what's really drawing uh, the energy out of your battery. And that's where you have to optimize efficiency. And that's where a switching regulator is not as good in that uh, in that period when it goes into this sleep mode versus a linear regulator and some of the methods that we can use within that device. And so that's why I think it's changing the way that people are seeing power solutions. And specifically, it's been a lot of this uh, battery connected, wireless IoT, medical devices, uh, you know, things like that, that, that we're starting to see a trend where people are starting to see that, hey, there are other solutions out there
1: for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've already hit on it quite a bit, guys. You know, the whole Internet of Things, IoT. You know, that that's been a buzzword in the industry for at least the last five years. I think we've all been talking about it. You know, I remember going back to 2015, 2014, when it was really starting to to, to become one of those buzzwords, which I, I'm honestly not a huge fan of because uh, I think it, it's a little bit too uh, nebulous for me. Uh, what exactly that means, but uh, but you know, I think the promise of IoT. I don't feel like it's fully hit its stride. You know, I think if we go back and look at 2015, we thought IoT in 2020 was going to be just, you know, everything. You know, our toasters were going to be fully connected. Our refrigerators are going to be fully connected. Um, And and we're not there yet. Um, Now, I still believe it's coming. Uh, I don't know about toasters and refrigerators. I'm sure there'll be some good applications for that. But I I think it's continuing to expand. I still think it's a huge area for growth that everything in our lives is going to have some level of of connectivity um, and is going to need to be transferring information and, and giving make that information accessible to users um, to uh, you know to to you know, basically the the designers of the products um, and to uh, you know other value added uh, companies um, so that's going to continue to expand. Uh, what are some of the things that Onsemi is doing? You know, specific as that continues to grow, as that continues to ramp, um, what are some of the things that OnSemi is really doing to help design engineers maximize battery life in those locations where you may have a a sensor node that's going to sit out in an agricultural field collecting, you know, uh, soil data um, for 10 years? And you don't want to have to touch that. Where's OnSemi really doing a good job for those kinds of applications?
1: Well, I can Wait, Bob. Uh,
2: yeah, once you start, I, have that, to, I think it's really sure. around things like the. Go ahead, the...
0: <laughs> go ahead, Bob. Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead, Bob.
1: Sorry. um I just went through an experience with a customer who's in healthcare, and that customer um, is putting um, has a, a wristband. It's basically a BLE beacon. And there's a wristband that goes on patients and there's a uh, and the customer also makes uh, asset tags that go on goes on equipment. They're little sticky asset tags, sort of like what Tile does. Um, and those and uh, the idea is in every hospital room there'll be a gateway, a BLE gateway. Yeah. And so these uh, these beacons constantly transmit every couple seconds. They transmit transmits to where they are and what they're doing. Um, and with that, I never really thought, but I started thinking, I started empathizing with the president of a hospital. So, so you got a hospital, you've got like extremely well-paid assets, both animate and inanimate. Some of the most expensive equipment in the world. And you have some of the most professionally trained people in the world. And the whole business and procedures and policies and processes are all based on chaos and, and emergencies. So it's hard to, I can't imagine keeping track of all the equipment, the people are you doing it right are you doing it wrong how can you be more efficient well if you put asset tag if you put beacons on people i mean it's kind of orwellian but you put asset tags on all the patients all the nurses doctors janitors everything and with gateways in every room you can really get a handle on what's going on and you can make you know when you start to think about buying equipment or appropriating equipment or you know figuring out where you can you know be more efficient. I can't imagine how you. I'd be up all night. But with assets, with a, with uh, with BLE beacons, which I think is a huge market. It's a huge market. Um, I'm seeing global market is going to go from like 1.3 billion to 31 billion from 2018 to 2026. That's a 30x increase in U.S. dollars globally. And it's you could we're right. We're not too late. We're not too early. We're right at the right time. It's just a, you're you're absolutely right. The IoT thing, I think it lagged a little bit, but I think it's going to explode. It's exploding right now.
0: Agreed. So, Agreed. So
1: one thing I can help with that customer is the battery calculator. So I literally dialed into exactly what, what that customer wants to do for transmissions on his BLE beacon. And by the way, this is something I'm going to be uh, taught. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be offering this service uh, through future. Um, Uh, in October 12th when we do our training, uh, our virtual training, I'm going to be launching this program where um, I'm going to ask future to to reach out to customers that are in a similar situation that, that are using coin cells with a, with a BLE beacon, hopefully ours, and I can calculate how long their battery is going to last. Excellent.
0: Yeah. And it's tools like that, that I think are absolutely critical. You know, and and I think the other, the aspect that the, I think we've got to consider when it comes to any IoT is that people don't want these little bumps everywhere that are huge, you know, bumps of circuitry that are maybe in a plastic housing or anything footprint of the overall design. It, yeah. It's got to start to seem, you know, just built in, like you don't even know it's there. If people are seeing this kind of stuff, we don't want that. We, we don't want the eye uh, of what IoT could be. So, you know, the, the power efficiency, a big part of that design is not just the efficiency of taking the battery voltage, shaking three volts and, da- and taking it down to 1.8 volts with the lowest quiescent current possible. Uh, it's also, how do I do that in a really small footprint? Um, and so I think that's the other consideration that a lot of engineers have. Where's on semi on that and how do you guys help there? I think I'll, I'll take that one, I think, because uh, I agree. I think a lot of that is
2: customers are looking for final solutions. And one of the things that OnSemi has is we have 14 different solution engineering centers across the world. And for a semiconductor company, none of those people work on semiconductor designs, You know, the specific chips themselves. Uh, they're all focused on solutions and they're focused on the block diagram. They're focused on what, how are our customers using it? And so that's where we see the demo boards and reference designs that we offer for sale through future uh we're trying to showcase them what is capable and what their end solution would look like uh so that they don't have to go and innovate those things themselves we can take that knowledge base that we have and uh and the power management is such a key piece uh, of the total solution how can you optimize that for size for efficiency? utilizing some of the latest capacitors or inductors that we have in there uh, to meet those size requirements so that you can do those sort of things, because you really got to show them what's possible and then maybe they can envision how they can incorporate it into their end product. So that's really been a a very key focus for us in helping the customers. And I think as a leader in the market, uh, when you say you're a leader in power management, Uh, leading means showing people how to do things. It isn't about just the product itself. Uh, It is that total solution that goes along with it. And so we feel like we're showing leadership in those areas to help drive those customers make better products for themselves.
0: Right. Yeah. And I I think it is a crowded space that we're talking about, right? There's a lot of companies out there that do voltage regulation. Um, And you're absolutely right. The days where um, you know, when you're when you're a design engineer, and 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 really the information you were looking for was somebody to bring in a catalog that had all the different parts. Yep. Um, now that's kind of been superseded. Then it, that got superseded by the web, so we could go get our data sheets and had all the information we needed there to get uh, to get our design going a little bit faster. And I think it's it's evolved for design engineers even beyond that. Exactly like you said. Um, You know, you've got the design engineer expects, hey, you know, I don't want to figure out how your switching regulator works. I, I want you to show me how it works in my application. So because I got a deadline, I've got a boss that needs me to get this thing to market at a certain time at a certain cost with a certain functionality. Um, and, and on semi, I need you to help me with that. So uh, is there anything you guys think you're doing in that way that you don't see other suppliers maybe doing as well? And then and, and maybe you guys are really, um, you know, kind of stepping out and, and making that easier on design engineers than anyone else is. Yeah, I think
2: there's two things. I think there's one is, uh, you're right. You got to drive, uh, performance in your products. And that's where I think we do have, as Bob mentioned earlier, some, uh, market leading solutions and, you know, one of them we're really focused on is that low IQ. Uh, so the NCP-171 we talked about is 50 nanoamp uh, while still operating in a, in a low power mode. And it's also built in that, uh, you know, in many of these devices, it's about this transition from low power to high power. So yeah. it also has a very fast response time uh, for any kind of event when you're going from one milliamp to hundred milliamps for some of these sort of
0: events. Right. So when you're and going so, from sleep mode to fully awake and I'm, I'm transmitting data. Correct, Yeah. Uh, right. so okay. those are the,
2: that's a key thing that you need to know uh, on uh, making that transition and doing it quickly because they wanna turn it on, do whatever they're gonna to have to do and then turn it off again. Yeah. Uh, and so in that device itself, it's actually, uh, it looks like one device to uh, the end customer, but in reality, the internal workings of it, it's actually two different power devices optimized for those two different modes uh, of operation. Uh, And then we seamlessly transition between those two devices uh, based upon the power load and others that's going on. So it's that sort of thing that we're seeing performance of it. Another area where we feel like we're really differentiating ourselves, we have a lot of patents on high PSRR performance. Uh, And so specifically when you're taking a look at uh, wireless transmission, you're interested in the uh, low frequency bands where you're you're actually transmitting uh, data during that point. Uh, And so, you know, five, six years ago, something at 80 dB of PSRR was seen as a very good performance. Well, now we're stretching 98 over 100 dB at very low frequencies. Uh, And so that's when you're transmitting any kind of information You're not losing bits. You're not dropping bits. uh, So you can do that transmission faster without any kind of disruption to it. So it's that sort of thing as well that's driving differentiation that, you know, I have customers uh, in some applications where they say, oh, you know, I'm using this device now and we're having all these errors uh, or we're seeing these disruptions that go into it. And then they drop our part in because as you know, many of them are pin for pin compatible, right? So they drop our part in and they're like, oh my gosh, my application works now. Uh, and they look at the data sheet and they're like, I don't understand what is the difference? Because if you just read the general first page of the data sheet, it looks like the same product. Uh, and I think that's where there's a lot of it. Well, yeah, but when you get into the details uh, in the electrical characteristics table, which many engineers never get to that table, Uh, then you start seeing those differences. Uh, And that's where we're also trying to, uh, you know, drive a little bit of truth in communication and tell them exactly what the part does in different uh, areas. So in PSRR, many of our competitors, they only specify it at 10 kilohertz and they'll specify some great number. Uh, But if you look at that spec at 100 kilohertz, uh, it drops off maybe by half. Uh, so, one of the things we're doing is we're specifying it at maybe three or four different uh, variables, uh, you know, frequency ranges for PSRR, so the customer knows exactly what does the product, what does the product do in their specific application that they're interested in, and so it's that sort of things, I think, you know, when you say leader, uh, a leader uh, also shows some of those things of transparency, uh, and I get many, many of uh, response from our customers where they talk about, they really appreciate the detail that we put into our data sheets so that they can do their design on their own, right? So that they know they're pulling it down from the web. They don't have time to call an FAE, have them come into their office, they sit down in the lab. You need to make them self-sufficient. Uh, and so that's what we're trying to do now. And especially now when, you know, the FAE can't even come in and see them in the office.
0: Yeah, yeah, the meetings all look like this. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One thing is uh, so if you're using lithium ion, uh, we also have uh, a fuel gauge that only burns uh, the LC 709204F. It only burns two microamps for active fuel gauging, which is like. Uh, the nearest competitor that I could find is more like 60 or 70 microamps. So it's going to definitely last make a battery application last longer. Another thing we're doing uh, with our Type-C and USB is we've got state uh, machine-based Type-C USB PD uh, controllers and uh, uh, PD uh, sources. So we've got the FUSB 3307. It's a full PD PPS programmable power supply PD 3.0 source, and it's all state machine-based. So you don't have to write any firmware. So it's much faster to market. Um, And customers, so it's interesting how the world's changing. Um, We used to have a much more narrow group of customers. Like each business unit inside of On Semiconductor 10, 15, 20 years ago had maybe five, six, seven major customers. Now, something like USB, it's going everywhere. I mean, and and a lot of these companies don't have, they don't want to deal with the firmware. The the USB specifications, like uh, the whole thing, there's three specs and it's almost like 1,500 pages. No one's got time to go through all that and make sure they get it right. They can buy an on-semiconductor on controller, plop it into their application, and, and it works because it's all state machine-based. And then we yeah. also have a new thing called Strata, which is uh, very cool. Uh, you know, so for those of you that are buying eval, you know, you get eval boards from us and our competitors, you have to get the GUI. You download the GUI, and then you've got to get something else. You download that. You get something else, you download that. What we have is a thing called Strata, which is a very beautiful thing. It's a platform. You load it into your computer, and if you get a Strata-enabled board from us, which most of our newer last year or so, uh, if it has a Strata decal on it, uh, you plug that board in, and Strata interrogates the board, figures out which one it is, downloads that GUI, puts it up, And then it adds the schematics, it adds the PCB layout, it adds the test results uh, from testing that that part, and uh, uh, also the user guide. So it saves you all those steps. Believe me, I know. I used to be someone that would, you know, you go through five steps: you get the board, you download the GUI, you download the schematics, you download. This does it all in one thing for you. So that's a big help too.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And and, uh, you know, to go back on what you were talking about as far as the USB. Powered device, i got to give a shameless plug for future. We've got to actually, we're we'll, shaping the future. We have an expert engineer, Paul Schmokel, um, who's actually teaching that product to customers individually. So if we've got anyone, any design engineers that are listening to this um, and would be interested to go into the details on some of that great USB PD product that OnSemi has, uh, Paul Schmokel's got that ready to go. And, and I'm telling you, he's going to bring you some insights uh, on, on making that design happen a lot faster. So so I think that's, uh, that's a very valuable thing. Um, and, and a great product portfolio. But it it sounds like there's a ton of tools. We've already talked about, you know, uh, different things that that you guys, different tools that OnSemi is making available for design engineers. Um, You alluded, Bob, to the the battery um, calculator that you guys have and some other things. Are there any other tools that design engineers should take into account that OnSemi makes available to them to make their design as easy as possible?
1: Tim, you want to take that?
2: Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, the strata boards are really the, the the best things that we've seen coming in uh, yeah. for them to start looking at. How do I quickly and easily get up? Uh, and then the GUI allows them to adjust and change those pieces. Other than that, I think, uh, you know, the other thing that I also get is uh, spice tools. Right, So that's another yeah. one where everybody wants to create their own simulation and others. And I would say over the last three, four years, we put a lot of effort into online spice tools. Uh, having them download, be able to use those for those pieces. Uh, it seems to be more important for power management because they want to put it in and then have it interact with other things that are in uh, in their system that they're building and simulate it before they go and make a commitment to you know a complete PCB design uh, to figure out if, if it's really going to hit all the parameters that they want. So I think those are kind of the two key tools that I see engineers uh, leveraging now to figure out they're in that design phase before they commit to it. And I think we're also seeing engineers are having more success on first pass of their PCB and others and uh, getting that solution working for them uh, versus having to go through multiple spins as they debug and figure out the hardware when it comes
1: back. Right, right. And uh, Tim Tim mentioned that our, our, we have an organization inside of ON uh, that's called the SEC or Solutions Engineering Center and uh, they're distributed all across their global organization. And they don't belong to any one business unit inside of on. they they're they're really, they're an offshoot of the sales organization. And they're a fantastic group of engineers. And what they do is they make these complicated reference designs. I'm working with one group, and we're going to make a smart speaker. We're we're in the process of building a smart speaker that's going to do you know Alexa the voice recognition. It's going to have Class D auto amplifiers. It's going to have the microphones. Um, it's going to have uh, the LEDs and all the little pieces that you know uh, the cap touch. All of those little pieces that need to work to that come together and work together. We provide the firmware, and that is a great jump start for customers. Um, we do that for a lot of different products, and when you have Uh, I mean, it's one thing to do a reference design. It's another thing to do a system reference design. And and, and typically, uh, you know, traditionally in semiconductor companies, you've got these, you know, each business unit has their kind of their nose to the grindstone of what they make. And it's very difficult for them to just build a system. So thus, we have this separate group that that does a fantastic job of generating uh, system reference designs. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Well, Tim, Bob, I I really appreciate the time guys. I think this has been very insightful. There's no doubt there's some great, Uh, I think, developments and and, uh, different methodologies that are making design a lot easier for engineers that are looking to maximize battery life in their systems. And I think we see that so often now with the expansion of the IoT. I think we're going to continue to see that with a lot of um, people tracking devices, battery operated devices that need to be on your person for personal health uh, and public wellness, things along those lines. There should be some really exciting applications uh, for engineers to be working on in the coming quarters, years, um, and decades. Uh, I think we'll see some exciting stuff. So really appreciate OnSemi's insights on this and you guys' expertise. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to speak with me on it. Uh, if anyone uh, watching has any interest in, uh, in any of these topics, please feel free to email us at shapingthefuture.com. One word at futureelectronics.com. Shaping the future at futureelectronics.com. We'd love to bring our engineers uh, in in connection with your engineers and help you with the designs that you're working on. Again, Tim, Bob, thank you guys so much for the time. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank, thank you, Todd.